Lesson number 130, Surah Ibrahim, Ayah 18 to 34. مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ The example of those people who have disbelieved in their Lord. أَعْمَالُهُمْ Their deeds. So those who reject Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala don't believe in Him as their Khaliq, their Malik, their Mudabbir. Their deeds, whatever deeds they do, whether they are good, you know, any kind of good deed. So for example, a lot of charity, helping other people, serving other people. And sometimes those deeds may even be better than the deeds of those who do believe in Allah. Allah says their deeds are karamadin, are like ashes. The deeds of the disbelievers, no matter how good they are, no matter how many they are, no matter how beautiful, no matter how excellent they are, at the end their result will be what? Karamadin. They will be like Ramad. Ramad, ashes. What kind of ashes? You know what ashes are, right? When paper or wood or anything is burnt, then what remains? Ashes. Do they have any weight? Hardly. Hardly. If you pick up you know, a piece of wood, it's heavy. It's got some weight to it. But once it is burnt, it's turned into ashes. You pick it up and you don't even know if you have it on your hand. It's that light. It's weightless. And it's so light that you could blow it away. So karamadin, their deeds will be like ashes. Ishtaddat, it became severe. Bihi with it, arrihu, the wind. The wind became very severe with those ashes. Meaning it became very violent and intense. It became so fierce with the ashes that it just picked up those ashes and blew them away. And once those ashes were picked up by that violent wind, then what remained of those ashes? Nothing. Fi yawmin asif On a day that was asif. Asif, stormy. Asif is basically used for stormy, fierce wind. So imagine a day on which fierce, violent wind blows and it forcefully picks up the ashes of something that has been burnt and it blows them away, disperses all the ashes far and wide, what will remain? Nothing. Can you ever recollect those particles? No. Because if a violent wind has blown them away, it's impossible for you to go and pick up one particle from here, another particle from there. You can't even find them. They're completely lost. There's no trace of those ashes remaining. You can never retract them. You can never retrieve them. You can never get them back. They are lost. Completely lost. And if you do get them back, if, hypothetically, then what weight do they have? What value do ashes have? They have no value. They have to be discarded. They are of no use whatsoever. For example, if a house, if it catches fire, if it's on fire for a long time, then what's going to happen? Everything is going to turn into ashes literally. What good will that sofa be? What good will that carpet be? What good will that house be? It has no value. You have to go throw those things away. I remember once a friend of mine in her house, there was fire. And they were basically not allowed to go in that house for a very long time, just because they had to do all the investigations and everything. And even then when the investigations were done, you know, everything was clear, they couldn't use anything. 
because either it was burnt or it was completely blackened. It smelled horrible. All those fumes, I mean, they were not safe anymore. So, gone, lost. لا يقدرون They do not have power. They do not have any ability. Over what? مما كسبوا Over that which they have earned. على شيئين Anything at all. They have no power over anything that they have earned. Meaning their efforts will result into nothing. They die, their works, their efforts, their deeds die in this world. They don't make it to the akhirah. Just as ashes cannot be taken back, they cannot be collected. And if they are collected, they cannot be turned back to wood. Just like that, their deeds are gone. ذَلِكَ هُوَ الضَّلَالُ الْبَعِيدُ That is extreme error. What is extreme error? Good deeds being wasted. This is extreme loss. In this ayah, the consequence of the disbeliever's deeds is described. Those who reject Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is their fate? What will their deeds bring them? No matter what they have done, no matter what they have accomplished, their deeds will bring them nothing in the akhirah. When the winds of the day of judgment will blow, severely, when the day of judgment is established, their deeds will be picked up like ashes are picked up and destroyed completely. Why? Why? Why is it that their deeds will carry no weight? Because they don't fulfill the conditions of acceptance. They never perform them for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They perform them for this dunya. So what happened when this dunya came to an end? Their deeds also came to an end. They perform those deeds for themselves, to make themselves happy, to get self-satisfaction. And when they died, their deeds also died with them. They perform those deeds for certain people, for certain worldly causes. And as those causes came to an end, those people died, their deeds also finished. What is it that will make it to the akhirah? That which was done for the akhirah. What is it that will last forever? That which was done for al-hayy, alladhi la yamut. That which is done for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who does not die. وَالْبَاقِيَاتِ الصَّالِحَاتِ What will remain are good deeds. And what are good deeds? Good deeds are those deeds that fulfill certain conditions. And what are those conditions? That firstly they are done with sincerity for Allah. Not for people. Not for a worldly cause. Not for self-satisfaction. No. For and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And secondly, they're done in the right way also. In the way that Allah likes. In the way that they will actually make it to the akhirah. And what is that way? The way that the Prophet ﷺ taught. So two things, what we see over here, is that two things, they basically destroy deeds. First of all, kufr, which is evident from this ayah. And secondly, riya, showing off also. When something is done, not for Allah, but for some other reason to get the praise of people, to become big in the eyes of people. This is something that destroys good deeds. In Surah Al-Kahf, Ayah 105, we learn about the people who are the worst losers. Worst losers. أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ فَحَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ Their deeds are wasted. فَلَا نُقِيمُ لَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَزْنًا 
So we shall not assign to them on the day of judgment any importance, any weight. They will carry no weight on the day of judgment. Nothing at all. You see, what is it that can last? What is it that remains? Something that has a firm, solid foundation. Right? And if something does not have a solid foundation, if it does not have a solid base, then what will happen? It will fizzle away. It will die very quickly, very easily. You know when somebody has a herb garden and they bring those little tiny plants and they try to grow them, if they haven't planted them properly, what will happen? After a few days you will see the whole thing turn yellow and die. It has to be planted correctly, properly. Grass, if you're putting new turf, you have to make sure that you water it for so many, many hours. Why? Because the more water the soil will soften and the more it will attach to the ground beneath. And if you don't water it, and it doesn't get attached, then what will happen? It will die. The foundation has to be there. What is the foundation of good deeds, of any deed, that will cause it to live on, that will cause it to continue sincerity? When a person is sincere, and the methodology is correct. Because if the methodology is wrong, even then you can't carry on for a very long time. You know, many people, they're doing something for the sake of Allah, but they're not doing it right. They can't have the right kind of balance, you know, family, work, life balance. They can't maintain that. So as a result, their work also collapses. Both the things are necessary. Sincerity and the right kind of methodology. When a person has this, then he will have stability in this life. Istiqama. He will be able to continue his work, continue the good deed that he's doing, no matter what happens in life. When he will have istiqama in this life, then the deeds can continue to the year after. Think about it. If we don't have stability here, if we cannot do something good for more than two days, how is it that that good deed will make it to the akhirah? If it cannot survive now, how can it make it to the akhirah? How can it? So it is very important that we check ourselves that whatever we are doing, who are we doing it for? Why are we doing it? Is it for the sake of getting some praise, acknowledgement from people? Rise above the praise of people and rise above the criticism of people. Because if you depend on the praise of people and the criticism, then you cannot survive. If we depend on acknowledgement from people, then we cannot carry on for a long time. Do what you do for Allah because He is everlasting. Remember at the death of the Prophet ﷺ, what did Abu Bakr say? He said, whoever used to worship Muhammad ﷺ, فَإِنَّهُ قَدْ مَاتِ Then in fact he has died. But whoever used to worship Allah, then Allah is the living, the eternal, the one who does not die. So his Islam will continue, in other words. It will not cease just because the Prophet ﷺ passed away. And this is what happened. There were those people who remained firm on Islam, even though the Prophet ﷺ had died. And there were those people who refused to pay zakat. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ was no longer there. So what is it that will continue in this world? That which is for Allah. And such deeds will make it to the Akhirah. And what contradicts that, which is disbelief or riyah, then that will not survive in this world, nor will it make it to the Akhirah. And this is extreme loss. ذَلِكَ هُوَ الضَّلَالُ الْبَعِيدِ That is extreme loss. 
Alam Tara, do you not see Annallaha Khalaqa Samawati Wallah? That it is Allah who has created the heavens and the earth? You know that. You know that for a fact that Allah has created the heavens and the earth bilhaq in truth. Meaning as it should have been for a just reasonable purpose. He is the one who has created all of this. So why not do good to please Him? To make Him happy? When He made you, why not serve Him? Why do you serve others? Why do you please others? Why do you want the praise of others? Why do you expect and hope from others? When He made you, when He created the heavens and the earth, bilhaq, If He wills, يُذْهِبْكُمْ He can take you away. Meaning He can finish you, He can destroy you. وَيَأْتِ بِخَلْقٍ جَدِيدٍ And He can bring a new creation. He can produce a new creation. Think about it. Before Adam salam, did human beings exist? No. No, they didn't. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam salam, And after Him, all the rest of the children of Adam salam. And if Allah wants, He can finish humankind, human race completely, eliminate them, and bring about a completely new creation. Completely new creation. Can He do that? Of course He can. Of course He can. So does He need us? Mm-mm. He doesn't need us. If we want to survive, we need Him. If we depend on Him... Completely for our survival, for our existence. So if we turn away from Him and do what we do for the sake of people, for the sake of self-satisfaction, for the sake of getting the praise of people, getting a big name, becoming popular and famous, He doesn't need us. We're only wasting ourselves. We're only destroying ourselves. إِنْ وَيَأْتِ بِخَلْقٍ جَدِيدٍ So if a person makes himself sincere for the sake of Allah, then it is for his own good. If he worships Allah, then it is for his own survival. إِنْ يَشَأْ يُذْهِبْكُمْ وَيَأْتِ بِخَلْقٍ جَدِيدٍ If you think about it, on this planet we see many things that come and go. Come and go. As we dig this earth, We find things that existed once upon a time and now they're nowhere to be seen. They're not there in the surface of the earth. They're lost somewhere in the earth. We know this about so many species that are endangered. Right? Why? Because they can go extinct. Human beings can also go extinct. You and I one day will no longer be here on this world. We are definitely, definitely going to die. We're not here forever. So this little time that we have, why not use it to please Allah so that we can have an eternity of happiness. We can live happily ever after. In the Qur'an, Allah says, Surah Muhammad, Ayah 38, وَإِن تَتَوَلَّوْ يَسْتَبْدِلْ قَوْمٌ غَيْرَكُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَكُونُوا أَمْسَالَكُمْ If you turn away, O believers, then Allah will replace you with another people. And then they will not be like you. They will not be like you. So we can be replaced. If you think about it, in your family or at your workplace, if you ever get that feeling that there is another person who could potentially take my position, how do we feel? How do we feel? It's a big threat. 
So this kind of pushes us to perform you know, at the best level that we can. Why? So that we remain and no one is capable of taking our position. But this ayah tells us that we can be replaced. And we see that in this earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us look at the skies and the earth, right? Don't you see in the sky the clouds, they come and they go. On this earth, don't we see trees that grow and then they die? They fall. They don't remain forever. Likewise, we're not here forever. And if we turn away from Allah, He can easily replace us. وَمَا ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِعَزِيزٍ And that is not at all difficult for Allah. It is not difficult for Allah at all. There is nothing preventing Him. He is above any weakness. He is fully capable of removing us. He is fully capable of getting rid of us. So we are kind of being reminded that there is a purpose of our existence. And we better fulfill that purpose. Because if we are not fulfilling that purpose, then there is no need for us on this earth. And when we know this, that on this planet, who is it that survives? Who is it that survives? The fittest, right? Who is the fittest? The one who is capable of doing something. Right? Protecting its young ones, protecting its family. You see this in plants, you see this in animals, you see this in the creation of Allah. In Surah Al-Ra'd also we learnt, what is it that remains? وَأَمَّا مَا يَنْفَعُ النَّاسِ فَيَمْكُثُ فِي الْأَرْضِ that which benefits people is what remains. And whatever is extra, it's useless, it is discarded. It is discarded. It finishes. It dies out completely. So in this is a big reminder for us as a human being and as people of the Muslim ummah that we fulfill the purpose of our existence we fulfill the purpose of our existence, which is the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as Muslim ummah, what is our purpose of existence? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us in the Qur'an? Kuntum khayra ummatin. To enjoy this dunya? To make your house and decorate it and redecorate it and redecorate it? Yeah? Is this the purpose of our existence as Muslim ummah? Just be proud of our Islam and look down on others and just live in our sheltered, closed lives? No. أُخْرِجَتْ لِلنَّاسِ You have been produced for the benefit of people. تَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَتَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ You command that which is right and forbid that which is wrong. So if we have the blessing of this deen from the womb of our mothers, we were born with this gift, majority of us, then it is our responsibility that we fulfill our purpose. Follow this religion. Take care of it. Portray a good image of it. Take it to others. Take it to others. Because if we don't do that, Allah will most definitely replace us. He will most definitely replace us because He doesn't need us. You know Imam Bukhari, Imam Bukhari was not an Arab. He was a Persian. Arabic was not his native language. He was born in Bukhara, which is in modern day Uzbekistan. You're talking about a place that is quite far from Arabia. But this man, the way he served Hadith, the way he preserved hadith. I mean, when you think about hadith, what name comes to your mind? Bukhari. When you think about any book of hadith, which book comes to your mind? Bukhari. And after Bukhari, you think about Muslim. You think about An-Nasai. Right? And Muslim, An-Nasai. Both of them were students of Imam Bukhari. Both of them. 
this legend, this giant, you know, this person, who was he? Not an Arab, he was a Persian. So just because we have a certain kind of blessing, skill, don't think that the religion depends on you. No, it doesn't depend on us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can take the work of His religion from other people also. If we don't convey it, Allah will use other means to convey it. If we convey it, it's our own good. We will survive. And if we turn away from this religion, then we are really nothing without it. We are nothing without it. We have no value. We are like garbage. And unfortunately, this is our present state, that we are literally treated like garbage today. Not like human beings. Literally treated like garbage. When our brothers and sisters are killed, it's not like human beings are killed. It's just like, yeah, those people. Thousands, thousands are massacred. And nobody cares. It's as though people don't see. Why? Because we, as Muslims, we haven't you know, shown, we haven't contributed enough that we would have a say. That we would have a say. There's a lecture by Sheikh Yasir Qadi on, I don't remember the exact title, but in that he mentioned about how the state of Israel was formed. And it's very interesting that how they were the people who had money, they had the people who had you know, some kind of effect on the top officials, and because of this, whatever they said, it happened. Why is it that we fuss and we complain and we go out to the streets, but nobody even acknowledges that? Nobody even acknowledges that tens and thousands of Muslims have collected somewhere. It's like, we're a nobody. We're a nobody. And in order to become a somebody, we have to become a somebody before, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first. We better fix our connection with Allah first. Obey Him first. Become His true and sincere servants first. Be true to this religion first. And part of that is to benefit humanity also. Because when we will benefit humanity, when we will serve humanity, then it's no way that people will ignore us. When we become the contributors, and not just people who are lying and taking, deceiving and taking, then people will have some trust in us. They will have some form of respect for us. Because the upper hand is better than the lower hand, right? But what has our state become? Muslims in general. Lower hand. We always want to be at the receiving end. If you go to a hospital and you see the names of the contributors who are there, do you find Muslim names in general? No. If we do make money, what do we want with that money? A house, a car, makeup, jewelry? Assalamualaikum. A lot of, I'm seeing positive comments in some places where all of the things that are happening, we should take down the flags of our countries, the nationalism and raise up the flag of one deen because we are one people. And also with what the issue that's happening in Ferguson in the United States right now, where the young black uh, boy was killed by police. From Sira, I remember the lesson that the sister, she shared with us that Rasulullah was also involved in his local community. It wasn't, he didn't stay separate from it, even if, um, as long as it wasn't, you know, involved in kufr or idolatry. So we should also be, we live here. This is an issue that affects us here in Canada as well. So it's not just being worried about what's happening over there. We should be involved and speak up about the injustices that are happening here as well. Because it's fired on us to be, you know, a part of this community. We are a part of this community and it affects all of us. And the first thing that you do is that you contribute. When you contribute, then people 
notice you. Then they value you. Then they appreciate you. But when we don't contribute beyond our masajid and beyond our Muslim food banks only, then people don't know us. Um, many times what people do is like, when they get involved in the deen, they just like, they they start learning about deen and like they only learn about the deen. And although that's good and stuff and they'll help them a lot in this world and in the year after, they should also like try to work uh, for like, to get a career and like actually benefit the world as well and not like stay whatever grade 12 pass or whatever you know after they're done yes if you think about it the prophets of Allah like for example Dawood he would eat from his own earnings and if he was earning money that meant that he was dealing with people as a prophet he was dealing with people making money Buying, selling, or whatever. In the Quran, we also learn about how he used to make different things okay, with iron. Allahu alam, what exactly is how he made money, but with the work of his hands. And that means directly dealing with people, being within the society, not cut off from the society. When it comes to Muslims that do contribute to the community and stuff, sometimes, um, or ones that are that are wealthy and they are trying to give back. I remember once in our neighborhood there was a brother, he's a lawyer, and he works at a big firm downtown, and he started some connection with the food bank. And some people didn't want to support him because he's not that religious or whatever. And I was thinking to myself, um, he's a Muslim brother. If we support him and be an influence to him and he grows in his iman, then whatever like good that he's doing would be, would help. But then people don't support other Muslims because they, they don't agree with their lifestyle or whatever. Because their method of prayer is different and mm-hmm. because of that we will not support them. Hmm? So what is it that we can do? What is it that we can do? Big talk. But what action can we do? Hmm? What action can we do to make sure that we are living meaningful, purposeful, beneficial lives in which we are not just concerned about our own body and makeup and jewelry and clothes. Rather, we are also concerned about what we are giving back to the people who are around us. Okay, good. Even before volunteering, whatever you do, do it with excellence. If you're a student, be a good student. If you are working somewhere, be an honest, good, polite worker. Hard-working individual. Because this is the best form of da'wah that you do. The best form of da'wah. When you work properly. Because then people value you. When you are a good student, then your teachers will appreciate you. Then they will encourage you then they will acknowledge that yes, your religion, maybe it has something to do with your success. So whatever you do, do it with excellence. Secondly, suggestion was volunteering. Okay, what kind of volunteer work can we do? Yes. Assalamu alaikum. When I landed over here in Canada, I was always been a working machine back in Pakistan, right? So I went to the school where my kids were studying. I talked to the principal and I want to volunteer for mathematics and science. She saw me in, in uh, abaya and scarf. She refused me. Seriously, she refused me. 
Then and after that, I asked her again, I want to volunteer for mathematics and science. She again refused me. Third time, when I went again, okay, she gave me some suit and she allowed me to sit in the library. And I knew that the Mr. Robertson is, a, is keeping an eye on me. And they gave me only one student. And after that, they started giving me two and three and four more students. And I'm telling you, and uh, one day he asked me, what is your qualification? And when you came, I said, I, I came like two months before from Pakistan. And um, he said, why don't you go for like uh, teaching high schools? I said, no, I'm not interested because I want to give time to my kids. Because back in Pakistan, my mother was taking care of my kids when I was doing my job. But my first preference is my kids. So alhamdulillah, then that was the point. The principal started giving me the students because parents were asking who is Mrs. Khan who is teaching the kids. Alhamdulillah. See, excellence. When you do what you do in the best way possible and people feel that they need you, you have something of benefit to give them, then they will want you. They will come to you. And the first thing they see in you is your hijab, your Islam. Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. Actually, I did a habitat for humanity. I volunteered for them. And it was really sad to see sometimes um, the church will uh, organize something and, and they will come together and volunteer together. And it, it would be nice to see something like that. A Muslim community will do it. Because a lot of uh, people who receive these houses are actually Muslim families. So it's definitely a good idea to do that. The other thing also is um, I was listening to a lecture and, you know, we're so proud to be a Muslim. We never really, like, love Allah enough to say, I'm going to study this religion, I'm going to learn Arabic, I'm going to, you know, do all the things that we need to be close to Allah. But we're so proud and walk around and say oh, we're Muslims. And, and I think that's one thing we can change as well. Yes. So volunteering is a very, very good way. And if we just focus on these two things, find out about where you can volunteer, what you can do, okay? And of course, you have to remember your religion, the boundaries that have been set by our deen. We have to observe them. We cannot compromise on them. And whatever else we are doing in our lives, your motivation should be not to get good marks, good results, get a better pay, but that you are portraying your religion. You're portraying your religion. I remember when I completed my Aluda course, and my mom told me, you cannot do the advanced course, you have to go back to school. And that was one answer that I did not want to hear. But I had to go back to school, I had to complete my high school, I had only done grade 10 or something, and part of grade 10, I had to go back, I had no choice, she made me. And when I went back, I didn't go with just a small hijab, I went with an abaya and a hijab, and also a niqab. And when I went there, I knew that people can't see my face. And they can't judge me by my looks. There's no way that I can deal with people except that my religion will always be a part of that interaction. Always. Because my religion defines me more than I want it to. Right? It's, that's just the reality. And I remember what made me study hard was not my results. Not that I wanted to be an A student, I wanted to get the best results. No, it was because if I don't do well, people are going to say, oh, this is how religious girls are. I wanted to do well because I knew that before Temia, I was that girl with hijab. I was that girl with niqab. People are not going to see me as an ordinary person, they're going to see me as that niqabi. So I better do my best. Because I am representing not myself, but I'm representing 
a Muslimah. So really, when we put on this hijab, when we are Muslim, then we are carrying this responsibility of portraying a good image of Islam. A good image of Islam. And alhamdulillah, my, my teachers, they were so happy with me. And I'm not boasting over here, but just something good to share with you, that till today, till today my teachers know me. Even though that was just high school. One of my teachers just taught me math. And he was after me that I study more and, you know, study more math and because I was a good student. But I did not like math. But he wanted me to study because he wanted me to excel. I'm a nursing student and recently I got a position in palliative care. And palliative care unit is where the patient has no hope. He is eventually, like everybody knows he is going to die. So I was assigned to a patient. I used to just feed the patient. That's it. That was my job. Just feeding and go away. It's more than four to five months and I'm assigned to that patient. And my daughter got sick and I didn't go to the unit. And over there, the nursing station, like when I returned from my task, the nurse uh, station, she asked me why you didn't come. I said, my daughter was not well. She said the patient was crying at the time of feeding for the lunch. Like even for, I used to feed the patient only for like, Five to 15 minutes, that's it. But even in that small time, like a relationship developed and still I can feel it. That's all. Like I can just convey the message that even with small deed, you can do a dawa. Yes. That's all. And you see, there's different ways of doing dawa. What seems most glamorous is that you stand at a stage with a microphone or that you have 50,000 followers, that's the most attractive. But that's not the only way. And I'm sorry, I think that's the easiest way. The real, the real hard task is to deal with people, live amongst them, and then do da'wah to them. Because when you're speaking in front of people, who's going to dare to say no to you? Who's going to oppose you? Who's going to say something that's going to offend you? Mm -mm. It's the easiest thing to do. You just have to overcome your own fears. That's it. But when you're dealing with people and then doing da'wah, that is real da'wah. That is real da'wah. The Prophet ﷺ did not give khutbah every day. He didn't. He didn't lecture every day. He dealt with people. That is how he conveyed the message to them. And this is what we need to do. So those of us who are studying in school, in university, college, whatever it is, study hard, do your best. Those of us who are working, work hard, do your best. Be sincere and honest. And think outside the box. Live beyond you know, serving yourself only. Your purpose in life should not be to live for yourself only. Volunteer, help, contribute. And when we will benefit others, we will benefit the religion. When we will benefit the religion, we will be useful. When we will be useful, then we can remain. Then our deeds can remain. Recitation of these ayats. مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ كَرَمَادٍ اشْتَدَّتْ بِهِ الْرِّيحُ فِي يَوْمٍ عَاصِفٍ 
لا يقدرون مما كسبوا على شيء ذلك هو الضلال البعيد ألم تر أن الله خلق السماوات والأرض بالحق إن يشأ يذهبكم ويأتي بخلق جديد وما ذلك على الله بعزيز